jumped up there, but I'm not supposed to jump. <laughs> so I'm under the watchful eye of my general over there. She is looking. <laughs> I thank God for this privilege, um, and um, I thank Pastor Mark for the opportunity to, to share with you again. And uh, as I'm talking to you, I'm going to try and sign into this computer here. So um, there we go. Amen. And uh, so, so let me just uh, start by just saying, uh, asking you guys, how's everybody doing? How's your summer been? Ah, seems like y'all didn't have a good summer so far. Well, I've got a very um, interesting summer. Had eye surgery, and um, I can hardly see you from one side, but God is good anyway. Amen, amen. Amen, he's a good God, a loving Heavenly Father. And so I thank God for this privilege to stand here before you and just to share with you um, kind of like my life story. Um, and I want to keep in tandem with uh, the, the, the topic tonight of this changed my life. Um, but I want to read one verse for you and then I'll, I'll go into it. Here's a, here's a beautiful um, uh, prologue. Here, here's, a, here's just a beautiful word from Jude, Apostle Jude. Listen to what he says here. He says, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James, to those who have been called, who are loved by God the Father and kept by Christ Jesus. Anybody in here is loved by God Amen. and kept by Christ Jesus? Isn't that awesome? You can take that with you tonight. I'm called, loved by God, and kept by Christ Jesus, because who else is able to keep us? No one else. Later on, he'll say in his, uh, at the end, he'll say, uh, now unto him who is able to keep me from falling and to present me faultless before his throne with exceeding joy. To him be the glory and the dominion and the honor, both now and forevermore. Awesome. Amen. God is able to keep us, not only to save us, but to keep us. Praise God. So what changed my life? This changed my life. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. You know, when I was uh, 10 years old, that's when I gave my heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to shift this just a little bit here. Um, I was in a crusade meeting at my, the church I grew up in, which was about 50 yards from my home. Every time the door was open, I had to be there. If it's not by my mother's uh, command, it was my father's eyes. If, a, if the church bell had to be rung, I had to ring it. If the door had to be opened, I had to open the door. If it had to be closed, I had to close it. So I'm a church boy, you know? That's where I grew up. Sunday school, every Sunday. Every Sunday, every, at the end of each year, we would have, uh, they would have what they call a Sunday school anniversary. And then they would reward all, who, all the, the, the kids um, with uh, a newborn Bible uh, if you had a perfect attendance. So can you imagine how many Bibles I had growing up? I had a lot of Bibles. The only problem is, I'm going to try to do this fact quickly. The only problem is I grew up in a town called, the name of the town was Brownstown. Okay, so what does that tell you? It tells you that the 99% the of the folks who lived in that town, their names were brown, right? So at a Sunday school anniversary, we're waiting online to be given a, pr a prize. But every name that's called is, starts with a B. 
brown, 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 brown. So your name takes a long time to come. It was very frustrating. But, you know, it was very wonderful for me growing up as a kid because uh, I had so many, so many folks who took interest in me. My parents were not, uh, they only had a third grade e uh, education, um, but they loved the Lord. And they made sure that, the six of us made sure that we're always in church. <clears throat> so I'm at this uh, crusade, I mean, just with other kids, you know, just being there. And there was a gentleman by the name of Murray Lord. Uh, he was from the Back to the Bible in the old days, Back to the Bible coming out of uh, Florida. And he was preaching. And I can tell you exactly what he said. But I know that he gave an altar call, and I just went up with the other kids. Whoever was going up, I just went with them. But it was, uh, the Lord was at work, because during that time, um, what happens when you, when you gave your heart to the Lord, what they would do is that they would have a, 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 a what they call a new converse class. And so that new converse class would run for, for a kid like me at 10 years old, it would be for six months. And for an adult, it would be 12 weeks. So I was in there, it felt like a year, right? And then um, the following April, I remember, this is probably uh, maybe summer, maybe the following April, sometime up there about, um, it was time for me to get baptized. And um, on a Sunday morning, my, my mom, you know, she, she, I don't know what I was doing. She just looked me dead in the eye and said, uh, you're not saved. You need to give your heart to Jesus. You need to ask him to forgive you because you're not saved. And she said, go to your room. <laughs> so, of course, I went to my room, got on my knees, and I, and I said a simple prayer. I said, Lord Jesus, I ask you to save me. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. And you know what? Um, something happened that morning to me. I was getting baptized that very same day, Sunday morning. Uh, that was like about 9 o'clock. I was getting baptized at 11 o'clock, and there was 22 of us in that uh, baptismal line. I was the youngest of the, of the lot. There's about nine guys, and the rest were ladies. They were baptized, the guys first, and then the ladies afterwards. I, I don't know. So anyway, I was the last guy to get baptized. And, and I, I just remember that standing on the line, the sun had started to come out. And I, something happened to me then. I'm not sure what it was, but... I began to feel something in my little body that was different. I knew something happened to me that morning. You know, the, 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 the old song uh, I can think of, it says, things are different now. Something happened to me since I gave my heart to Jesus. Things are different now. What a change it must be since I gave my heart to him. So something happened to me that morning. And uh, uh, I remember the baptismal water, the, the, it was a pool and outdoor, it was, it was freezing. And I was like, shaking like, like a leaf. But I was not, my dad got a hold of me, put a towel around me, and then it was time to get changed for the, the 11 o'clock service, and then we're gonna have a first communion. And then I, I got into church, I remember, and I sat on the, they put us on the front line, front seat, everybody who just got baptized was on the, the front, and then we're gonna do a first communion. And then I was there and, um, I remember a gentleman, he, an older gentleman, he's a, he's a tenor, and he always, uh, I, I didn't know, this was the first time I was going to hear him sing. He's a little man, um, and he's, he got up, and, and, and just after communion, he started singing. Take the name of Jesus with you, child of sorrow and of woe. And it struck me, you know, and I said, wow, take the name of Jesus with you. And I'm like, this is, this is awesome. 
And that day, my life changed. John 3.16, for God so loved the world, became a, a, not just a, a, a recitational verse that I learned in Sunday school, but I began to understand that day that God truly loved me. He loved this little 10-year-old, uh, and um, he, he had a plan for me. I didn't know at that, that time that there was going to be a direct plan for my life because I was going to go on through school and try to have my own plan, you know what I'm saying? To have my own thing. I had my own direction that I wanted to take. Um, and so I, uh, I couldn't, I was in a, uh, uh, an elementary school, couldn't learn anything. I played, I, I just played everything out. But I love the Lord. I, I just, I was growing up in Sunday school. Sunday school teachers made sure that we were studying the Word of God every Sunday. You had to have what they call a golden text. So every Sunday morning, you have to know your Bible verse. That's it. If you don't know your Bible verse, then your parents are going to know about it. And that's a problem if my father knows that I didn't study my Bible verse. So I learned the scriptures from a young child, like uh, the Apostle Paul said to Timothy, from a child, you have studied the word of God, you've known the scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation. I, so I guess I wanted to be wise. I didn't know that at the time. So I studied, I made sure I studied my Bible verses. And so, but little by little, God began to form something in me, to shape something in me as I got to, um, they took me out of elementary school, put me into a prep school because it was more directive in terms of my study. And I had to sit a local examination to get to high school. They used to call it the common entrance at the time. It was a British system, grew up in Jamaica, for those of you who don't know. And so uh, that teacher was like a general, right? She, 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 she had a strap, right? And she would put that strap to your back if you wouldn't learn. That's the way I grew up, right? Uh, it wasn't easy, or a cane to your back. Anyway, but every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we had to do the Ten Commandments. Exodus 20, Exodus 17, 1 to 20. We had to memorize the, tw the Ten Commandments, and you had to repeat them. Every Tuesday, Thursday, there was some words on the line, uh, on, on, the, on the side of the wall, that you had, to, you had to memorize them, good things, faithfulness, goodness. Mercy and all those things. So no, I couldn't escape. Everywhere I turned, God was there. The gospel was there. You know, the word of God was present. And so it began to shape my life. And uh, I got, I made it to high school. Um, I made it to high school. And I made it through high school. In high school, again, I started, uh, my focus became sports. And so I began to just, you know, loosey goose kind of. I was still a part of my church youth group. I was learning to play the guitar. I was learning to play the piano at the time. Uh, I dropped the piano for soccer because soccer was more, more recreational. So I, you know, I, I, that's the way I, 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 I saw myself going to become a soccer star, so a sports star. And so I kind of, they had what we call inter-Christian inter school fellowship at the time, and I did not go. A friend of mine one time, he looked at me and said, he said, McGee, aren't you a Christian? I said, yes. He said, so why are you not coming to Inter-School inter Christian Fellowship? We need you there. And so I started going and everything. So, but my life started to take uh, shape. I began to become more active in my church, my youth group. I began to become more active in, uh, we had a quartet that I sang, for, sang with. So we traveled all over the place to sing. Uh, once I learned to play the guitar, um, I couldn't escape again. We had what we call street meetings, right? So uh, ministers, local ministers, um, itinerant ministers, some of them from the church, 
would be preaching at street meetings, at, at, at intersections, wherever there's a, a street light. There'd be once a week, sometimes Sunday night, sometimes Wednesday night. And so they needed music. So who had to be playing music there? If nobody else is there, yours truly had to be there because all they had to do was say, Mr. McGee, can, 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 can Ray play for us? Yes, it doesn't matter what I had to do. Homework, nothing, I had to drop it. That's, so that's how I grew up. So I, I was a church, church guy, you know, I grew up in church. Um, but I began to fall in love with the Lord, at a, really, sincerely, I'd say at about age 16, when I was kind of like near uh, fourth, I guess I don't know what they call it here, but for, for us it was fourth form. I had one more year before I finished high school. I had to do my external exams and so forth. But I began to fall in love with the Lord and to take a more sincere approach to Him. And so this verse became very, very crucial in, in, in my uh, Christian development. And it helped to change my life. It helped to center me in Christ. And it's Galatians 2.20, as you see up there. It says, I've been crucified with Christ. The Apostle Paul laying out this uh, to the Galatian church. Uh, says, I have been crucified with Christ. This is my testimony. And nevertheless, I live yet not I, but Christ who lives in me. Think about that. Think about that church, crucified with Christ. What does that mean? It simply meant that I died with Christ. My sins were crucified with him on the cross. In, in Romans, he says, when Jesus was buried, I was buried with him. So my sins were buried with him. When he raised from the dead, he raised me up to new life. Think about that. No longer the same person, a new man. And so the Apostle Paul is, is saying, this is who I am. I am not the same guy who was known as Saul, who persecuted the church, who Jesus had to stop on the Damascus Road. I am now a new man, crucified with Christ. And so this passage, when I, I, I associated my life to the Apostle Paul's life, not that I crucified, I persecuted the church, but I understood now for that Jesus did something for me that I couldn't have done for myself. He changed my life because of his love. He changed my life because he gave his life in, in my place. He shed his blood so that I would no longer be guilty of the Adamic sin that I inherited. He gave his life, he shed his blood so that I could be ransomed from that sin. And so, and, and that's the beauty, church, of salvation. It's not just a word that we hear in church and, and, and it's, it's left on its own. It's very critical to who we are, right? Because uh, as it were, the Apostle Paul would say again, he says, I am no longer my own. I've been bought with a price, as with the precious blood of a lamb. We're not our own. We can't keep doing the things that we do and consider ourselves as belonging to Christ. You see, when, 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 we, when we say we are saved, something has to have happened to us. A change had to take place. I think it's Tremaine Hawkins and, or her husband, Dama, who, who sings this little chorus, and I like it. He just says, a wonderful change has come over me. Change, change. A wonderful change has come over me. Isn't that what happens? But the question, I, I, you know, is always going to be, um, Am I, am I, this change that took place in my life, this 
love that God had for me that he gave Jesus to die for me. Uh, the songwriter says, oh, the love, I love songs, you can tell, that I gave Jesus to die. Oh, the love that gave Jesus to die. Praise God, it is mine. It is love so divine. Oh, the love that gave Jesus to die. Are you happy Jesus died for you? Y'all don't seem like you're happy tonight. Come on, you, you gotta be happy, church. Don't worry about me standing up here. Don't worry about me. What about you? Are you happy? Are things different now in your life? Can you truly, as I'm say, speaking here, as you're seeing this, the scripture here, can you truly say, you know what? I am changed. Jesus changed me. Because if he didn't, man, I was talking to the brother Phil a while ago, Pastor Phil, and I was saying, man, you know what? What a wretch I was. I was a young wretch. I was a worm. There was nothing good about me at 10 years old. No, because I didn't know Jesus. Look, that's the truth, <laughs> brothers and sisters in Christ. We can pretend as much as we want. We can walk with our heads and be pompous as we want. If you don't know Jesus, you're a wretched sinner and you're on your way to hell. That's the way it is. Amen. I didn't say it. The word of God says it. So it means that I am excited that Jesus changed my life. I'm excited that God chose me. Listen to what Jude said. He loved me and called me before the foundations of the world, as a matter of fact. He knew me in my mother's womb, David would say. And he chose to call me, to love me and call me. And now he keeps me by Christ Jesus. I don't have to worry. I just have to walk with him. I just have to live with him. For as the Apostle Paul, as the, as the, 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 the brother Luke, Dr. Luke in Acts 13, I believe he said, in him I live and move and have my existence or my being. Right? You can't live for me. You can't be Christ in me. No, you can lead me to Christ. And you can, you can be an example to me of who Christ is. But you can't be Christ in me. I have to make that decision for myself to ask Jesus to come into my life, to change my life. And that's what I did. Now, Colossians 1, 20, is a very formidable passage of scripture. Actually from verse 15 through verse 22. I love that passage because it also lays out... Um, well, let me just say, Galatians 2.20, the latter part of it is also very critical. The life I now live in this body, okay? This body is no longer mine, okay? So if, if you are here and you have asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart and he is now your Lord and Savior, your body is no longer yours. It's called the temple of the living God. It's now his to occupy. If he's not occupying, then something is amiss. Something is wrong. Do you truly belong to him? Do I truly belong to him? So see, these are, these are serious questions. This is very important that I'm not just saved, but I'm saved because of someone. I'm saved because Jesus loved me. He gave himself for me, but I'm also kept saved because he's living in me by the Holy Spirit. I don't hear no amen, so I figure maybe, maybe 
I'm not getting through to you, but it's fine. It's fine. Just know for yourself that the Holy Spirit is living in you, and if He's living in you, it's Christ in you, right? right? The hope of glory. So that's all you need to know, okay? In this world, we have all kinds of things going on. People are talking about all kinds of ways to get to God. But there's no other way to get to God except Jesus. All right? Um, John 14, 6, what does he say? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No other way to the Father except through Jesus. He is the only way. Praise God. Amen. And so he says, now I live by faith in this body. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Praise God for that. Praise God for Jesus' sacrifice. Amen. In Colossians 1, 22, starting at verse 15, it's, the, it's one of the most powerful resumes of Jesus you could ever ask for. The Apostle Paul lays out uh, the resume of Jesus. On Sunday, Pastor Mark talked about uh, uh, Lucifer. And we read Ezekiel 28 and we saw how, uh, how beautiful he was and all the, 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 the things that were written about him and how they, it was aligned to the king of Tyre and so forth and he's, and he's laid out there. But let me tell you something. He is a cherub who was created and he was created by my Savior because he is the creative word of God. So everything was created by him, okay? And for him, the word of God tells us. Right? The Bible says in, 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 in from verse 15 that he is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn over all creation. For by him, what? All things were created. Whether thrones or kingdoms, rulers or authorities, visible and invisible. All things were created by him and for him. And he is the beginning. The firstborn from among the dead. He's the head of the church, as a matter of fact. The firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him. Everything. And through him to reconcile us to himself. What does that mean? That through Jesus Christ, God himself brought us back. To reconcile means to bring us back from something to somewhere. We were all gone astray because of Adam's sin, all away from God, all on our way to hell and to be judged by him. As a matter of fact, the funny thing is in, 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 uh, in John 5, Jesus says that the Father has handed all judgment to the Son because he is the Son of Man. So who do you think is going to judge the folks out there? Jesus himself. God, because he is man, the Son of Man. He knows man. He knows everything. There's nothing we can do that he doesn't know. So he, the Father, has given all judgment to him. So it's a wonderful thing to be saved because then you don't have to come under that judgment and condemnation. So God loved us through Jesus and pulled us back, reconciled us to himself. What a love. Oh, what a love. Oh, what a love. I don't know if, you've, I don't know if you, 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 you love him that much that sometimes you wake up and all, and all of a sudden you just feel such a, a, a love and such a caring and just uh, sometimes you're like, uh, there's like an out-of-body experience because it's like you're, you're here but you're not here because you're just so in love with him and you're taken up as it were in, 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 in his presence. Uh, do you love his presence? Do you love the presence of the Lord? 
Is this something that you desire on a daily basis? When you think about who you are, do you think about yourself as just occupying a seat in church? Or you just come because it's the place to be? Or do you see yourself as being a, a part of Jesus? That Jesus himself, he is the head of the church. This is not something that we can just, you know, just take light. You know, it's not, it's not. It's important that we understand God's love for us, that he reconciled us. He brought us back to himself through Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 is a verse, I, a passage I really love to, through 21. Um, it, it says that, uh, that we are new creations in Christ. Therefore, if any man or woman be in Christ, they are a new creation. So this changed my, this is how my life changed. It changed because I understood that Jesus did something for me I couldn't have done for myself. And that God's love through Jesus is what changed me. So praise God for that. Now I'll, I'll move on here. Now, a penitent heart leads to a changed life. And that's, that's very important. Because sometimes, you know, uh, as believers, and we have, de- we have counseled with people, we have uh, met folks who say that they have, they're, they're believers, and yes, they love the Lord at some point in time, but let's say they messed up. And then they messed up, and they somehow believe that God is not loving enough to restore them. And so instead of running in their messed up state, running back to God, they run away. They keep running away. You know, and keep having the little pity parties and keep being so, uh, uh, thinking that God's going to judge them and condemn them, right? And that's not the way our Heavenly Father is. Now think about David. Jesus wasn't around when David sinned, uh, committed this sin with Bathsheba, when he slept with Bathsheba and committed adultery with her. Now he, Jesus wasn't there. So David, think about that, that he didn't have the luxury of the blood of Jesus but he had a penitent heart. And so he cried out to God, creating me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a right spirit in me. Against you only have I sinned. That's a penitent heart. A penitent heart knows when you have wronged the Lord, when you have wronged somebody. Think about it. When you have done something wrong against somebody. You know, the problem with us today as believers, we're not quick to forgive. We're not quick to forgive. We believe we have a right to stay in our uh, attitude or, or somebody wrongs us. Then, you know, we cannot reach out across the aisle and say, you know what? I forgive you. Will you please forgive me? No, we have a, we have a problem with that. That is not the heart of Christ. That is not penitence. God expects us if we are living, if we say we have been changed. If we say we have been changed by him and we're no longer the old person we were, then it's required of us that we have penitence, that we know how to say, God, forgive me. I have messed up. Cleanse me. What does 1 John 1, 1 uh, 8 and 9 says? He says, walk in the light as he is in the light, and you have fellowship with one another. For the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sins. And then he says, if you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Come on, church. I, I think this is a love story that's just awesome. I mean, the, the more I get a chance to, the, the, to walk with him, 
is the more grateful I become. I am not trying to be pompous and to say, oh, you know, Ray, you know all the scriptures. Uh, And oh, that can't save me. If I know the scriptures and they're not applicable to my life, then what good is that? What good is it to know the word of God, but I do not apply it to my life? That is, that is use, useless. It's just a matter of an exercise of uh, studying. Yes, the Apostle Paul to Timothy studied to show himself approved unto God, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, rightly being able to divide the word of truth. So as I want to divide the word of truth to you, to give you the truth, God's truth, right? I have to study, right? Pastor Mark has to study, right? Pastor G, Mama June have to study. Whoever is going to preach will have to study. But it doesn't make you, it doesn't provide an excuse for us who preach to live anyway. No, we, as a matter of fact, should have a more penitent heart because we know the requirements of God more so that we can share that with, 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 with others. So David says, cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Listen, here's the thing. David had to, he says, look, Lord, if you required burnt offering, sacrifices, I would have given it. But David at this point in time understood that sacrifices were not acceptable anymore. Because the Lord says, hey, Israel, you've done it. And you've done it, and you still go back and do the same thing. You kept offering sacrifices, but you still go back and sin. So, away with your incense and oblations. Away with it. So David says, I would have given it. But Lord, I know something that others don't know. That a broken and a contrite heart, you will not despise. Hallelujah. So that's also how we have to live as believers. We have to be penitent. We also have to have a broken heart, a willingness to say, God, break me, mold me, shape me into the image of your son. Lord, I have sinned against heaven and against you. Yes, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son, but forgive me. Restore me now unto me the joy of your salvation, he cries out later on, and fill me with your spirit. I don't know if I, I'm supposed to be speaking so loud, actually. I don't know, my eye, I see, I see the gas bubble running around in my eye. It's just going all over the place, but I can't help it. I'm excited. I'm one excited guy, I'm telling you. I love the Lord because I know what he has done for me. Amen. Listen, some people can testify of what God has delivered them from. I testify of what he has kept me from. Hallelujah. Oh, I got Woo, I see your eyes. Okay, all right. <laughs> I got to keep the feet down on the carpet here. Right, I don't want to start moving about. I just love the Lord. I can't. <laughs> oh, so I can testify as to what he has kept me from. I'm not an adulterer. I didn't do what David did. I didn't fornicate. I didn't do what David did. I mean, have I had sin in my life? Of course, I've got all kinds of sins in my life. But praise God for Jesus. You know? I confess my sin and he's faithful and just to forgive me and to cleanse me. See, when he cleanses me, here's the other thing. When he cleanses me, should I continue to go backward to that sin? No, because what he says, what does the Apostle Paul say in Romans 6.1? Because grace is in chapter 5. Should I continue to, ex- to, 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 to uh, use God's grace 
just so that I can continue chapter 6, verse 1, to live in sin? He says, God forbid. No. David learned from that. He learned from that uh, incident because Nathan the prophet came to him and said, you are the guilty man. You're the man. And he got down, the Bible says, in sackcloth and ash, and he, he asked God's forgiveness. But I praise God that I, did, I don't have to, you know, you and I, it, when, we, if, when we mess up, because look, all of us mess up. The Bible says in Romans 6.23, all have sinned. Six, I'm sorry, 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So let nobody in here think that they're not, they, they, they never have sinned in their lives. Even a thought crossed your mind. And if it's unholy and it doesn't line up with the word of God, it is sinful. It doesn't matter. A word you speak to somebody in anger, Jesus says, oh, it's like murder. Ooh. Oh, man. So we all sin and fall short of God's glory. Okay? But praise God that we didn't have to, I, I, if I, I think about it this way. If I had to find an animal as a sacrifice for my sin today, oh man, I'd be in trouble. I tell you what, I, I can't even find a deer in my subdivision. Listen, there ain't no turtle doves, there ain't no pigeons. And, and the last time I think I saw a pigeon was in New York City. And you can't just go take them and offer them as a sacrifice, right? I don't, I don't see a lamb. I don't have any lambs. I don't have any goats. I don't have nothing that I could offer as a sacrifice. I would be in big trouble. I don't know about you, but I know that, oh, I would be a dead duck because hell would be my destination because I couldn't find an animal. <laughs> Praise God, I don't need one. The Lamb of God, Jesus, hallelujah. He, he loved me and he gave himself for me as my sacrifice. And he... And he's so loving and so kind that even when I mess up, he just says, come, come unto me, all you who are burdened and heavy laden. Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, and I will give you rest. I mean, uh, what, what a love, what a love. You, you know what, church, we can all leave here tonight and, and, and be excited because we are loved. Called of God, loved by God, kept by Christ Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. And, and, and the other thing is, we don't even belong to ourselves anymore. Bible says we're not our own. We have been bought with a price, as with the precious blood of a lamb. So you don't belong to yourself anymore. I don't belong to myself. I can't do the things that I just want to do because I choose to do it. I can't behave the way I just think that my flesh wants me to behave because it just wants to behave that way. No. I am not my own anymore. I don't belong to myself. Jesus paid for me with the price of his body, his blood, broken for me. His body broken for me. So I am not my own. I love the Lord because he is my Lord. Now, the question, the other one is now, what has happened since my life was changed? In other words, Am I the very same way I was at 10 years old when I gave my heart to Jesus and he saved me that day? Am I still a 10-year-old? That's the problem, church. I think in a lot of ways, a lot of believers are still at maybe not 10, maybe 20, maybe 30, maybe 40. They got saved. And you know what they're at? Still at the place of being saved. But there's no evidence of a change. 
Listen, the word change, the word, oh, I love this verse. There's a verse, oh, I'm jumping all over the place now. But anyway, <laughs> let, me, let me try to settle down here. Uh, yeah, but yeah, so has anything changed since I initially got saved? Or am I still the 10-year-old that was shivering that morning going into the baptismal pool, having my first communion? Or has something happened to me since then? <sighs> Listen, I, I know that what God did for me. The Apostle Paul says in Colossians 1.13, and it's there. You know what he says there? Beautiful uh, 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 passage of scripture. He says, God snatched me from the dominion of darkness and brought me into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom I have redemption through his blood. You know, what, you know what's important with that? He, he doesn't give Satan the credit of being a king. That's the first thing. Just, just, a, just a, a sidebar there for me. He doesn't give him the right as king. He doesn't call him. So he doesn't give him from the, from the kingdom of darkness. He gives him the dominion, an area of darkness. Okay? But he gives the one who saves me the, the, the kingdom and brings me, the Father brings me out of the dominion of darkness, brings me into the kingdom of the Son he loves, Amen. in whom I have redemption, the forgiveness Amen. of sin. What's redemption? It's buying back. It's like I was sold to slavery because of Adam's sin to Satan. Do you know that, church? That you were sold to Satan? I know some of you don't like that because it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't sit well to think that you, you belong to Satan. But you did. Adam made sure that you belong to and Eve made sure that we belong. They didn't know, of course, at the time. But yes, that's what happened. Sin made us separate from the Father. Bible says our sin has separated between us and God. That's what happened. So now, it's a buying back that has to take place. That transaction has to take place to bring us back from Satan. That's what Jesus did, if you don't know. That's what his death, his blood, the shedding of his blood has done for us. Bought us back from the darkness of Satan, the dominion of Satan. Brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves in whom we have redemption. That's Jesus buying me back. I don't belong to that evil one anymore. Don't belong to him. I'm not in his darkness anymore. I'm in the kingdom of light. I don't know where you are tonight. Are you in darkness? Are you in light? In the light of Christ? Uh, you have to answer that. I can answer it for you, right? I'm serious. I mean, you have to know if you're still. You know, there was a one person, one, one foot. Some people have one foot over here in the kingdom of darkness, over in the dominion of darkness over there. And they got one foot in church, right? They're trying to straddle to see if they can do both, right? Live a little of the world and a little of the church, right? It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Because what will happen is that you'll find that the world's pull is very, very great. Very great. And they'll pull you back into the darkness. No. Let us live in the light of Christ. Praise God. So since he saved me, what has he been doing? Through the Holy Spirit who he filled me with the Holy Spirit enables me to live a changed life. Come on now, church. Isn't that right? Now, can you live a changed life by yourself? You can try. You can try. You can fool me. 
Now you can fool somebody else, but you sure can't fool the Lord. No. A changed life means that something is happening inwardly. It, and when it happens inwardly, whoo, wow. Ah. All right. I think Brother Phil got that. Ooh, that something just fell off there. Hmm. Yes. <laughs> All right, let's go. Amen. Praise God. <laughs> Praise God. So that change now. Thank you, sister. That change uh, is an inward change. Do you understand what the Holy Spirit is doing inside of me? He's changing me from glory to glory. He's making me more like Jesus, less, of, less like me. And I'll prove that to you in a minute. But that's what's going on. He's making me more like Jesus. The, the, the Apostle Paul says in Corinthians, he says, look, inwardly I'm changing. But outwardly, I'm wasting away. I'm wearing away. But inwardly, I'm changing. Right? And that's true. I'm getting older. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not 15 anymore. I'm not 10 anymore. I'm not 30 anymore. I'm not 50 anymore. I won't tell you how old I am, right? But, <laughs> you know, but I'm, not, I'm, I'm getting there. You know, praise God. I'm like Caleb. He give me the spirit of Caleb now so I can run. I can, I can do stuff. But that's God's grace, right? But inwardly, what's important, church, is that we don't, we're not stagnant. We don't stay in the place of change. But we are, we are being, being changed from glory to glory. Uh, uh, um, it was Charles Wesley who wrote the song, Love's Divine, All Love's Excelling, the great Methodist preacher. And, and the, the, stands, the course of it says, change from glory into glory, till in heaven we take our place, till we cast our crowns before him, lost in wonder, love, and praise. Are you looking forward to that day when you take, when he says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I'm going to make, make you rule over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. But then don't you understand that when you stand in his presence, he's going to put a crown on your, 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 your head. What are you going to do with it? You're going to just walk around heaven with a crown on your head? Or are you going to put it at his feet? Praise God. That's where it needs to be. We need to bow our knees to, the, to, 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 to Jesus. For the Bible tells us in Philippians 2, hallelujah, 6 through, I think, 12, that the, 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 the father, that Jesus, he, he, he was found in the form of a servant. He humbled himself and became obedient uh, unto death. Wherefore, God hath highly exalted him, church, and given him a name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow of things in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Don't you love him? Come on now. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Oh, oh, so that's the Lord, and he's changing me inwardly. I'm not the 10-year-old anymore. I'm not, as I said, 30, 40, 50. I won't tell you where I'm at, but I'm not. I'm not there. <laughs> you know, I believe. I feel it. I feel a call that he's making me more, and his desires to make me more like himself. Amen. Do you understand me? My character has to change, and it's changing. Look, I'm not always obedient. I'm not going to stand before you here and say I'm always obedient. No, sometimes he has to rock me a little bit. 
you know, shake me a little bit, pull some things away a little bit to get me back in line with his program, his plan for me so that I can become more like him. My children are watching. My wife is watching. She got a good eye. <laughs> she, she, she tell folks when they're with a line because that's how she is, right? You know, and uh, so you, but the first, the inward change has to be manifested on the outside. See, that's the thing about change. When Jesus changes us, when the Holy Spirit is at work in us, that change becomes evident on the outside, okay? And, and so let's make sure that we are malleable. We're, 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 like, we're like metal heated in the fire that can be molded. That's what malleable means. It's moldable, right? That's how we are to be as believers, so that the Holy Spirit can shape us. Cut off the things that are not pleasing to the Lord, right? Uh, trim us, trim, trim the fat, as they will say. And, and, and so that only the things that please Him are, are at work in us so that we can change and become like Him. Uh, change from glory to glory, right? Praise God. I have to run along here. So um, the evidence of that change is, is, is going to be visible. So folks are going to be able to say, that person is not just saved, and, 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 but they'll be able to say, but I can see that their life has changed. You ever seen, have you ever seen a, a, someone who's a, who's a, I've seen a drunk give his heart to the Lord, okay? And, and he was on the street, and I'm not kidding, this is the truth. He was on the side of the street, and he was, a, we would call him a bum. He was drunk every time and everything. And that gentleman got saved because of a street ministry that went out uh, into, into the streets and began to uh, minister to, to the folks up there in, in, in Brooklyn, New York, where we lived for, for quite a while. And you know what? Next Sunday, one Sunday, I'm, I'm singing in Brooklyn Tavern in a quiet time, and uh, you know, we're, we have a little ministry, like we go out and minister to people, blah, 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 out there. And who's an usher? All in a suit and tie. That guy that was out there, I, st I stopped and I had to think, what? I mean, what happened? A change came over him. He met the master, the only one who could change a bum into a saint. Okay? He met Jesus and something happened. His life changed. Evidence was outward. Now we could see. And he began to grow in the Lord. I mean, that's it. Have you seen a drug addict change? We have seen evidence of that. People who change and, 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 and they, they, they literally shine like an angel sometimes. I mean, and you wonder, gee, I, I don't shine like that. But you see, that's what the Lord does to people who are hungering and thirsting for him. You know, once that, once they, they, they don't know, that's why we have to tell, right? But once they come in contact with the master, with Jesus, something happens. Came, can't remain the same. So the question tonight for us is, where are we since God changed our lives? Are we still the same? Or has, is there evidence of a change taking place in us? Listen, if, the truth is, if there's not evidence of, of the change in us, that we are changing to become more like Christ, then look, it's, it's, not, it's not rocket scientist. It just takes us to say, Lord, I'm not, I'm tired of being where I'm at. I want to be more like you. Help me, Jesus. Fill me with your Holy Spirit again. 
Restore unto me the joy of your salvation. Fill me with your spirit again. Show me what needs to change in my life so that I can make those changes. Do you know the Lord will show you? He will do it. Listen, if there's something in your house that you need to get rid of, that's, that's holding you hostage, that's keeping you where you are. Psalm 101, David says, I will walk around my house and I will set no unholy thing before me. So if you've got an unholy thing before you that's keeping you from changing, becoming more like Christ, get rid of it. Whatever it is, church, let's get rid of it. Let's get rid of it so that we can change and that the evidence can be seen by others in your workplace, in your home. Some of us are guilty that our families don't see any change in us. Come on, no church, this is the truth. Some of us are guilty that people at our workplace think that we are like them because we do the same thing they do. They don't see an evidence of a change, so how will they know Christ? How will they want to have a desire? But if you walk as someone who's changed, and if they see that even if you had a struggle, but they see you come out of it with flying colors, and they know that is not it's because of someone. It's because of the Jesus that you love. It's, it's, it's possible, church. It's possible. We live in a world that wants us to be like it. But what does the Apostle John tell us in 1 John 2? Love not the world, neither the things of the world. For if you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. That's what he says, right? And so we have to be careful that the, that the world, we don't love the world more than we love the Father. We don't love the world more than we love his son. We don't love the world more than we love the word of God, which is given to us to change us, to help us know who Christ is and to love him more, love him better. We need the word of God. We need prayer. Sometimes we have to fast to break certain habits. Whatever you have to do, do it, because that's what the Lord requires of us. How do I grow? I'm not going to read this, but in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 through 11, it's a great passage that you can read. The Apostle Peter talks about what should happen to us when we belong to Christ. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. And then he says, add to your faith all these different things. Perseverance, kindness, love, brotherly kindness, you know, faithfulness. Just go and read it. Those are some of the things that you can do, church, we can do to grow up from the place where we got changed, to make sure that we're not stagnant, we're not, you know, just uh, have a pretense of being a believer, a pretense of coming to church, and, and, and we spend all our time listening to Pastor Mark, listening to uh, uh, Mama June, listening to Pastor Jean, that's all great, listening to all the speakers, that's all great, but what about you? What about you and the Lord? Amen. They don't see you when you're at home. But you got to make sure that when you are at home, you are taking time to spend time with the Lord, to do what is required of you, someone who is, whose life is being changed, being changed, being being changed, not just changed because you got saved, but changing from glory to glory. That's, that's, that's how it works. And then I had a little uh, acrostic here. Uh, it says, changed cannot happen and not generate enthusiastic joy and energy. And debate, discourse, people must ask, people must observe. <laughs> That's the truth, right? right? It will not happen in a vacuum. Amen. When Christ changes your life, Amen. 
when God calls you out of the world and positions you in his son, as Jesus says in John 6, he says, no one comes to the father unless the son draws him. So when the father draws you to his son, it's going to be observable and it brings joy. Who's, who, I, you know what happens to a lot of us? When we, when we got saved, we were full of joy. We had joy, uh, ex, uh, what is it, joy? Unspeakable, yeah, and full of glory. The half has never yet been told. But you know what has happened through the times? As we, as we, where the times when we're supposed to get more joy and to grow up more in Christ and to have more joy and to have more of his glory in us, you know what? Then the world begins to cut in on us. We allow the world to cut in and then it begins to diminish and it gets less and less and less till we become sour people. You know, like our faces are bathed in, in, in lemon or lime. You know, lime is worse. Um, but it happens because we, are, we have lost our joy. Nehemiah says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. We need God's joy. Don't let the enemy steal your joy. Because joy is critical to your strength. Amen. God is changing me from glory to glory. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. The Bible says, we're not like Moses. And I'm ending here. With, who, has, who had to have a veil over his face. But the glory he had was passing. Oh, come on, church, you don't catch it. But the glory we have, the Bible says in Jesus, is increasing with ever-increasing glory. Hallelujah. Because he is the Lord who is the Spirit. In other words, he is Lord and his Spirit lives in me. So that means that he's changing me. And that's what uh, 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 um, Charles Wesley captured. Change from glory into glory. We are being changed. Go, go home and read this verse. I'm telling you. Go home and read 2 Corinthians 3. It will, it will just blow your mind. When you get here, you will scream. You will jump. You will say, oh, thank you, Jesus. I'm becoming more like you. Listen. You are becoming more like Jesus. His glory is what he gives to us, those who love him. So that when we get to heaven, it won't be something that we did not know. We were just going to transition from this body. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord from glory to glory. We're going there. We're getting somewhere. So don't take your change lightly. He changed you for a purpose. Don't take it lightly. First, draw closer to him. Before you try to reach somebody out there, you make sure that you're getting closer to him. You're learning more about him. More about Jesus would I know. Then more of his love to others show. More of his kingdom shall increase. More of his coming prince of peace. I mean, so first, know him for yourself. Draw closer to him. Make sure that you are being changed inwardly and that that change is then manifesting itself on the outside. That's going to be your 50 feet. That's going to be your 100 feet. That's going to be your five feet. That's going to be your ten feet in your house, right? Because your kids will know, oh, my dad loves the Lord. My mom really loves the Lord. I've got an example to follow. And then they themselves will catch a fire. That fire of the Holy Spirit will begin to move in them. And then you will see them begin to change. 
I'm going to end it there. <laughs> Time is gone. But, well, praise God. I hope you were encouraged tonight. Um, yeah. So, so let me, can you just stand and let's, let's pray together?